Reading in Church, a proud partner with Audible.com. Previously on Reading in Church and other distractions. It does think so. Well, it, it doesn't talk, but you're 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 hearing it's a loud. It's storm. a loud. Okay? It is a big right? storm. Yesterday yes. we had some significant storms here. Yeah. Well, maybe not. Well, they're pretty good for here. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Were, they were quality yeah. storms. Yeah. My dog. My dog does not handle storms. <laughs> really? <laughs> I tell you the crazy thing going on with my dog. My dog's very old and he got a little leaky, so. <laughs> I didn't think I'd ever have this experience in my life, but my dog wears these diapers now. So he leaks. Can you fix okay. his O-rings? I mean, can you get new O-rings no, or something? No, you can't. No. Eat parts. Oh. They don't make those parts anymore. They don't make anymore. parts anymore? No. Man. And, um, and then we've always struggled with him. He hates thunder. You know, he just goes nuts. Really? Yeah. He he's, follows you around and follows you into the bathroom and everywhere. And uh, so we tried these thunder shirts. I don't know if you've heard of this for dogs. No. Yeah, it's like wearing a tight shirt. As opposed to a regular, <laughs> he's ripped. Shirt. He gets he gets his t-shirts a size yeah. small to show it's off. It's supposed to comfort dogs. It's never worked for us, but we've got all these extra diapers around. So what I do is I wrap several diapers around. But it's ridiculous looking, but he calms down. He calms down. So with enough diapers, yeah, I wrap enough diapers. You know, around his torso. <laughs> it's just absurd looking. So, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to think of this dog in his muscle shirt. Um, yeah, well, he doesn't have one of those because it doesn't work. Welcome to Reading in Church and Other Distractions with Rob and Mike. Welcome back to the podcast. I am Robert Wallace. I am Michael McKeever. And this is the second Sunday after Pentecost. I want to get, get those prepositions right. The reading's for June the 3rd, 2018. Wow, we're doing June. And uh, we are, uh, but now we got options. So instead, they take away all my Old Testaments. Mm-hmm. Here's where they went. This, and now they, they all landed Here's here. Where they went. Somebody tipped the lectionary and all the old T's rolled, this <laughs> rolled into the summer. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so we did the, the first readings last year. So we should, I felt like we should probably continue on doing those first readings. Um, okay. So uh, this week we'll be doing 1 Samuel 3 and go all the way to 20, 1 to 20. All right. Psalm 139, 1 to 6 and 13 to 18. That's probably good stuff. Happy parts. Uh, and then Second Corinthians four five to twelve, and back in Mark, Mark, Mark. two yeah, twenty three to three six. Yeah, they took a, a detour through John that because mm-hmm. all three gospels. Sometimes yeah. you got to yeah. take John and a lot there. of John. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully you've had a good week, um, and your season of Pentecost or after, season after Pentecost has been going well. Now mm-hmm. that we're in June. Um, and that uh, you'll hope you'll like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. I'm still writing Easter on my checks. You're writing Easter on all your checks. Well, you Pentecost. know, I, I was writing Advent all the way into Lent. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, checks. What are they talking um, about? We. Uh, I'm trying to think if we have any anything interesting happening I'm, since la- since our last podcast. Since our last podcast, <laughs> probably not much. Two today. So <laughs> we we walked out to the hallway and. and We've been talking about racing quite a bit. They're talking um, about, yeah, that's right. Indy racing. By now, the race will have been over. Um, the the race is wow. last Trinity Sunday no. this year is the is yeah. the race for me. So some families had Christmas. I had the Indy 500 growing up. So <laughs> Trinity Sunday. Uh, yeah. Speaking of liturgy, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's pretty remarkable. Anyway, see now you got me thinking about the race again. Uh, I, just, I want to put the practice back no, on my mind. No, I probably, in the background. Ought to, I probably ought to do the. <laughs> you would be text. super distracted. <laughs> no, that's other distractions for sure. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I can't think of anything to talk about. If you're ready to go, okay. I'm ready to go. Yeah, got a lot, a lot of text here to read. Yeah. So. 
All right. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Oh, I Visions... know that's like, am I right? Mm-hmm. Visions were not widespread, as our as our audience knows what that's like, right? Yeah. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. There's no metaphorical meaning subtle, there. Very yeah. subtle metaphor there. The lamp of God, still, just literally a lamp. Lamp of God had not yet gone out. Right, it's middle of the night. <laughs> or it's talking about Eli. And Samuel was lying Take down euphemism. in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Because, yeah, this sounds real normal. <laughs> it's just the way it happens. spread out my sleeping bag here. <laughs> then the Lord called Samuel, Samuel, and he said, here I am. Much like Isaiah last Yeah, week. and ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again. Samuel, Samuel got up and went to Eli, and he said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the rule of three. <laughs> no, <in> most... <laughs> no, no, not quite. <laughs> Wait, sorry. You got off track there. Uh, now Samuel did not yet know that know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then <laughs> so Eli, yeah, the lamp really was going out with <laughs> the, Eli. The lamp it took is him going three out times. Here. Oh, Ed, I perceive something's going on here. <laughs> yeah. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and if he called, you know what I'm thinking about, this dude, his sons, quit calling, you kids. Get your boys, quit tormenting Samuel. Quit messing with Samuel, the bad, bad sons of Eli. Therefore, he said to Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there. Really? He came and stood there? He did. Wow, I never noticed that. Might have. You think now Samuel might have noticed it. Calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. Both ears, okay. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house. In the previous chapter. From beginning to end. For I've told him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Just to catch you up in case you missed last chapter. Yeah. Previously on Samuel. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until morning, and he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he said, here, I'm, here I am, as he was wont to do. Yes. Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also, if you hide anything from me, all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Then he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. Wow. Classic. It, it is. So we did, um, we mentioned a couple of the things as we went, um, that Eli's eyesight had grown dim being a mm-hmm. rather subtle metaphor uh-huh, for uh-huh. Uh, his vision. Um, mm-hmm. The lamp of God had not yet gone out is is a reference to the middle of the night, but I do like the mm-hmm. reading of, you know, yeah. his his lamp had yeah. not quite the, gone The out. seer, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the seer isn't mm-hmm. seeing real well. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the the here I am. Here I am's always come before some really hard times, uh, or at least some hard calls. Is that right? Um, yeah, in my experience, it's it's uh, 
Isaiah, it's Abraham when he's called to offer Isaac, uh-huh. it's okay. Mary when Gabriel appears, at, mm-hmm. you know, it's, mm-hmm. um, yeah, these are not, these are not easy calls here. And Samuel, this young boy's first message from God is, wow. yeah, your That's... kids are going to die and your house is gone. So, mm-hmm. um, this is in many ways establishing. <laughs> Why didn't I just have a paper route? Exactly. <laughs> Why did I have to do this? Um, this is establishing Samuel as that reliable prophet. The the word of God, this this word from God, had come to Eli in the previous chapter from the man of God, um, who told him that uh, in a rather, uh, I don't. It, it, it's challenging because God God says, you know, I promised that that you would be an everlasting priesthood, but whoo. Yeah. No, forget yeah. that. What was I thinking? Um, yeah, what was I thinking? There's no way I'm for ending that. <laughs> you et- know, Lord. <laughs> eternal covenant right now. Yeah. Um, so this everlasting covenant of uh, of Eli's is comes to, it's not mm-hmm. quite as everlasting, which not I really do think is probably setting the interpretive stage to help us in this story deal mm-hmm. with Davidic covenant David, yeah. as well. Because, okay. you know, we're about to get another everlasting covenant. Yeah. That at the end of Samuel, or excuse me, the end of Second Kings mm-hmm. now seems to be under attack Some as well. Bad sons. So, yeah. so yeah, I think that that is a um, that that is probably connected in this story. But but uh, Eli uh, hears this word now from Samuel, who is now confirming the word of the of the the man of God. So Samuel is established as a trustworthy. You know, that's the only only way you can tell a true prophet from a false prophet. Does it happen? Mm-hmm. And and so Samuel is now, and God is evidently doesn't <laughs> fulfill that. <laughs> and so right. everlasting covenant didn't happen. Um, well, yeah, in this case, yeah. this this uh, shows that Samuel's you know reliable. Uh, he's he's mm-hmm. a true prophet. His words didn't fall to the ground on yeah. this. Um, there's, I mean, there's so many obvious images here where you know Samuel is the one who's closer to God. Mm-hmm. He's actually sleeping in the room with the ark yeah. as opposed to uh-huh. you know Eli's further away. Uh, Eli's eyes are dim, and it does take him three times to figure out what the heck's going on. Um, yeah. So it's not not subtle characterization here. No, no. Samuel's Samuel's words are hard all the way through the book. He does not get an easy easy call. Um, and you know, having to confront a man and tell him his sons are going to die as a child. Even after he died, he had to say some hard things. He later. did. He died <laughs> and got called up to say hard words Gee, at the end of First Samuel. So no rest. I often wonder in that passage why Saul calls up Sam, why he chooses Samuel. He never had anything good to say to him when yeah. he was alive. Why do you think death is going call, to improve his mood? someone else. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, we have your, um, you like to talk about when God calls twice, mm-hmm. right? Samuel, Samuel. Yeah, yeah. Samuel, uh, Moses, Moses. Moses, Moses, Mary, Mary. Mary, Mary, I do believe so. Why are you bugging? Yeah. Um, <laughs> why are you but, bugging? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Martha and Mary, I believe it, uh, it's not an irritated Jesus, it's a call to Mary to serve in a different way. So, uh, that's really neat. Yeah. Uh, Dan de Beersheba marks the traditional boundaries of Dan de, ancient Israel. What, seven beers? Is that what that seven, is? Seven wells, yes. Seven, seven wells. Beersheba, okay. um, which is much smaller than the current uh, political state of Israel. Um, mm, okay. It is uh, about half, actually. It, Beersheba is, it, if you basically, if you get the bottom of the Dead Sea, and draw a straight line straight across Israel. Mm-hmm. Every that's that's about where Beersheba is latitude wise. So it's okay. it's only from just above Sea of Galilee to okay. right at the bottom of the Dead Sea. So the whole that whole desert area down to a lot was okay. not part of the biblical state oh. um, of Israel. Hmm. Uh, just FYI. Yeah. And then, um, I think anything else I want to say here. 
you never, you know, you never want to get that word from God that says, I'm about to do something uh, that you, yeah. you know, you gonna make your ears tingle. Down. You might want to sit down. Yeah. yeah. Or when God comes to Habakkuk, you wouldn't believe even if you were told. I mean, this is... This is and but, God's seen some stuff. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. <laughs> you don't like that. God has seen stuff. So when he wants to prepare you, you know you better get prepared. Man. Uh, might want to sit down because I'm about to do something no one's going to... Yeah. This meeting shall go well. Right. Right. Um, I do think there's some play there that uh, the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice because, I mean, that is a, <laughs> that's throwing right at Eli's head because mm-hmm. his sons were not conducting the sacrifices correctly right. to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so there's, I'm sure there's a reason that is explicitly mentioned okay. that, you know, they were doing what they could to corrupt the sacrifice so they could eat yeah. the best parts as opposed to yeah. God eating the best parts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and God so, doesn't forget that. No, no you, t- you took my portion, sir. <laughs> yeah. uh, so your sacrifice is not going to work. Yeah. So. That was my cut of meat. Exactly. I grew up in a big household. I know you don't forget that stuff. <laughs> oh, look, I, I watched uh, Daniel and Kurt. Uh, Daniel stole one of Kurt's chicken nuggets when Kurt wasn't looking. Man, that's... <sighs> The chicken nugget. That's that was even, that's that barely was, even real meat. When was that? That was three years ago. They still talk about the, <laughs> wow. the yeah yeah. Okay. Don't ever don't steal another man. That's, that's wrong. Yeah. Taking another man's chicken nugget. That's oh, just food. People remember food. Yeah. Here's something arbitrary. Yes. Who, who saw that coming? <laughs> this is I don't know. Just talking about kids eating food. Uh, when I was four, my brother was five. For some reason, he made a proclamation. I don't know. But this is probably one of those things. He's like, he said, "I will remember this sandwich as long as I live." Maybe he wasn't speaking King James. I said, and I'm thinking, I'm going to hold him to that. <laughs> so, so I remind him every few years. What kind of sandwich was that? Peanut butter or bologna? And he remembers? He remembers. I don't remember. <laughs> At that point, I said, I'm just going to hold him to it. I didn't pay attention to which to sandwich, sandwich it was. It was. So I'm not really yeah. sure if he remembers. You know, I, one thing that seems to be uh, part of my genetic code, um, Wallace's seem to be very good at holding grudges. Uh, and I'm you have good, good like, memories. Really, right. really good. And so my, my have, favorite... Your, your grudges have handles. They do. My favorite was the day that, and I think I've told the story before, but when I knew my aunt and uncle didn't get along real well. And so I asked, hey, Betty, why is it that uh, now she's probably in her late 60s, early this 70s? Is this Aunt Betty from Betty's Diner? This is different Aunt Betty. Different, okay. Different Aunt Betty. And uh, I said, hey, Aunt Betty, uh, why is it that you and Uncle Glenn have never gotten along? And she said, well, I'll tell you. <laughs> one thing. One time when, <laughs> he was, when he was 11. And I thought, I didn't, oh I didn't hear goodness. what happened after that. Oh. Right? I did not hear anything that oh happened after that. All I could think goodness. is, oh my gosh, one time when you were 11? That sounds like a, a Genesis story. So, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And from that time yeah, on, I yeah. swore that we would never. I mean, it was. Like, holy, well, now I understand why I might have a hard time forgiving. I get it. All right. I, that's something I got to work wow. on. So, yeah, it's one time when I, he was 11. Never got past that. No, no. My goodness. Yeah, it was, it's rough. So. Good thing she was a Christian. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, aspiring. Aspiring. <laughs> yes. Aspiring follower of Jesus. So. <laughs> That's what I, for a while, I said, well, I'm a Christian, aspiring follower of Jesus. Yeah. But I don't know. <laughs> anytime, Christian. anytime when you get violent, and I said, I thought you were an Anabaptist, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you always say, well, aspiring. Yeah. Or I say, I'm an Anabaptist because I'm this way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I need to be. Yeah. That's the thing. I'm not a, I'm not committed to nonviolence because I want to be. Yeah. It's <laughs> that's not come natural. No. Yeah, that's for sure. Anyway. Yeah, people can tell the familiar text because we get off the text really quick. It doesn't take long. We've done this one, and we're about to do another familiar text. So, 
want to do 139? Yeah, okay. I'm ready. I don't have much right. else to say about Samuel. Okay. We're going to talk more about Samuel. So. All right. 139, 1 to 6 and 13 to 18. Yes. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You park a van and surveil me. <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> think that's what it was. Wow, no. he really, you can't escape him. No. <laughs> you search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in, <clears throat> excuse me, behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. For it was you who formed me in my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, that I know that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld me, my unformed substance in your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. I try to count them, they are more than the sand. I come to the end, I come to the end, I am still with you. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, that's interesting. It's nice. you know, this, I like how we make new psalms uh, by pulling bits yeah. out of yeah. established psalms yeah, that make a sampling a good sampling good other this psalms. Is, this is nice. Mm-hmm. This is this is very you happy. Can make something good out of this. Yeah, this is good. Cut off all these pieces of gristle, <laughs> <laughs> and and you know I think obscured the point that the psalmist was actually heading toward. Well, but uh, you know. but it makes it it's nice. It's happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm starting to understand why it is people are surprised when I tell them the most common. <laughs> form of the psalm is lament because ah. if this is the way that we pull these things out you wouldn't notice you're saying there's a this you're saying this isn't a donut there's I'm, something in the middle i'm missing? saying there's a hole here because after all of this you know me you know me you know me you oh, know me right you, you know um, me we get to those oh that you would kill the wicked is yeah. verse 19 <laughs> okay. that's what comes right after this okay. is that uh, the bloodthirsty that depart from me those who speak of you maliciously and lift themselves up against you so I would argue that the psalmist is trying to establish the psalmist's close relationship to God mm-hmm. in an effort to remind God that God has an obligation to take care of these wicked that yeah. are blaspheming him and making his and the psalmist's life miserable okay. at yeah. the same time. So uh, psalmists are great at trying to, yeah. you know, play the relationship game here on the, you know, yeah. I'm your friend and you need friends. Yeah. You ought to take care of the enemies because I got enemies here and we're friends. You can ask someone to rub someone out. You might want to start with a few Mother's Day cards. Exactly. <laughs> well, well, a few hallmark moments before might right. make it go exactly. all the, the better. Flowers. You know how close we are. Guy. Uh, yeah. You know me, oh. right? You know me. You know what I'm thinking. You know what I'm doing. You form me. This is me, Rob. We are close, God. Yeah. What about these people? You're going yeah. to put up with that? Really? I mean, look what they're doing to me. And you love me and know me. Look yeah. at what they're doing to me. So yeah. this is really taking on a kind of a mafia sort it, of It is a little <laughs> on the day of your daughter's wedding. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, yeah. And I'm the game, the God, and my, 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 my wife you is know. the godmother to your child. <laughs> exactly. There's a, it's here. I really do read it that Same way. Same thing. Same it, thing. It's all, you know, it's, it's patron client is what it is. Patron client relationship. It is. Yeah. It really is patron client. We miss that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think some really cool parts, like I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. The words fearful and wonderful are um, actually used in 106 to talk about God's uh, doing uh, works in the Exodus. Oh. That that 
Hmm. There's there is um in, in the end of 106. It's not the end of 106. It's the middle 106. Of course, you know how often these things come back to my psalms. Have you noticed that mm-hmm. that I can always turn these into <laughs> yeah. my psalms yeah. if I really need to. Oh. 90 to 106 is important. Um, I just you know can't escape that. Okay. Why else would they put it in the middle of the Bible? 106. That's right. It's the center of the center of the Bible. 106, 22, wondrous works in the land of Ham, awesome deeds by the Red Sea. Wondrous is the same word as fearful, and awesome is the same word as wonderfully made. I'd be in Homer, I'd go, ham, wondrous ham. <laughs> wondrous ham, ham, yes. You just lost Homer from church. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Um, but it's this, it's, it's, I wonder, as I was going through this today, if he's picking up on uh, the creation imagery of the creating of a, a new people and, uh, and the Exodus oh. imagery and the dealing with the Egyptians appropriate because, you know, wondrous works in the lands of him and, and deeds by the red sea is going to immediately evoke that, you know, horse and rider you've cast into the sea. The land of him. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> but and that he's maybe calling to mind that, especially considering where he's building to in this yeah, Psalm good. is get rid of the wicked people. So he's, he's I thought it was just a nice card he was giving him, but allu- no, he's alluding to no. the work that God has done in yeah. himself as the work that he did in Israel mm-hmm. by coming out of Egypt by using those two words. Yeah. I, I, this guy's a high I opinion of himself. That's a little rabbinic. I know how no, you accuse no, me of that, it's, but, it's, but uh, there's going to ask a big favor. You're going to pull out all the stops. I don't and, not put that beyond him. You know, I, I do like uh, unformed substance is probably the best way to translate that. There are some translations that go with uh, fetus. That's a little strong. It does. It is more nebulous than that word. Mm-hmm. It is um, very much the chaos that is, exists in the womb. My nebulous have, substance. Yeah, that you have given given uh, shape to. I love the sort of inclusio. I, I teach freshmen, so your eyes behold my unformed substance. I, I get it. I get that totally. Early? Do you teach early? Teach them like at nine? They they have certainly have unformed. I think stuff. it's the whole freshman year. Okay. Um, I like the inclusio of uh, you search me, you know, you discern my thoughts from way far away, mm. um, but how weighty are your thoughts to oh. me, oh God? Mm. So you know my thoughts yeah. from way up there, really... but I can't even, I'm not even close to getting you. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, he's really setting this guy up. You ought to do something about these yeah. folks. <laughs> That's yeah. the next I'm line. You know? Oh. So, huh. and then you have the, uh, search me, know my thoughts, try me, know my, see if there's any wicked way in me is, is the, the right after that. Yeah. It's like, you know me and you formed right. me and this is who I am and you know who I am now do this with the wicked people and, and look at me and see if I've, Did if I've done part anything. Of this song Check. What's recently? that? Did we read part we of have this? done it before. Okay. I thought uh, I, yeah, it's very reminiscent of a song we read, not. It was a week or two ago. Yeah. But, yeah. That, uh, see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting is mm-hmm. still this. Yeah. You know me yep. and you know the wicked. Do them. Get rid of this mm-hmm. is the them. And this, so it is very much a. This is just about me being against wickedness. <laughs> right. Did I mention those guys? Exactly. It is very, it's in keeping. This is like the, the second in the last eight Psalms of David that you get here as we're moving toward the big doxology at the end. Mm. Um, and the very first verse of the next psalm, and you know how I like to read psalms together and as a, as a book, mm-hmm. and the next one is deliver me from the evildoers. That's how Psalm 140 starts. Uh, so, I mean, it's still this notion of, and there are laments. We get a series of laments right after this. So mm-hmm. um, I've often joked that after David says, search me and know as if there's any wicked way in me, it, um, it doesn't go well with David after he asked God to do that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like four Tur- lament Turns psalms. out there yeah. was. 
There's like four lament psalms after David uttered those oh, words. So yeah. you got to be real careful mm-hmm. when you ask God, hey, let's see if I did anything wrong. Yeah. Well, you did. Oh, oh man. man. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. Interesting. Um, I know this is a beloved psalm, and I know I'm ruining it for everyone, but um, but it is a. I think that it really is reflective of the way the culture talked yeah. to God. I mean, mm-hmm. it is that strong patron client relationship. That's hard for us to get a wrap our minds around that, that God is the patron and mm-hmm. we are the client and the patron has certain responsibilities yeah. and the client, if the client has uh, fulfilled all of the client's responsibilities mm-hmm. and the patron hasn't, then th- that is def- going to find a nice way to remind you gotta find the a, a respectful way to mm-hmm. remind that patron. They need to do that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, I did make the joke about the Godfather, but it's that's yeah. that's right. That's I I sometimes show that on the first day of class. Yeah. Say we're entering a foreign world. This is not the way we do things, and it's not a lot of good examples. And when you think you get it, it's slippery concept. So yeah. Yeah. we show the very first scene of the Godfather, where it's a day of the wedding. He had a lot of lot of clients lining up to ask the Godfather for a favor. Right. And that's just the way things were done. Right. And know? and. Um, Dennis Tucker, who's uh, currently teaches at Church Seminary in Waco, did a uh, article several years ago in which he was doing shame and honor in mm-hmm. the Psalms and, yeah. and pointing out that a number of lament Psalms use shame and honor language, yeah. and that since that what a, a lament is very much God, you're not owning, you're not fulfilling your responsibility as patron. That yeah. that's you know oh, we've yeah. done what we can, mm-hmm. and you're not doing your job, yeah. you know, that the very much that's part of the lament. Is We're that, crushing it out here. You know, sense, we are getting it done. <laughs> that sense of expectation of the patron needs yeah. to do something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. that's what I do with 139. Sorry. Okay. No. <laughs> that's good to, good to know what these, these this tricky lectionary readings lead out, leave yeah, out. They do. But they make it a really nice psalm if you don't, mm-hmm. if you don't do that. That's, that's nice. It's like a, it's like a misleading trailer. You could... <laughs> A lot of misleading trailers these days. I mean, they've they've really changed in the last decade. Like, yes, they have. We kind of re- we're going to represent the story. No, we are going to re we're going to recut this movie to get as many different demographics to come to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Don't care if it's remotely related, or we tell. It seems like we're telling a totally different story. It's like it's so well, you know, dishonest. And I, I will I will spoil okay. very little, but I will say that if you have watched the Infinity War trailer, I there are scenes in the Infinity War trailer. That do not do occur not. in a movie. In fact, the right? scene occurs differently that is so wrong. than actually is depicted yeah. in the trailer. So, yes, there are. Yeah, I have noticed trailers like that. Yeah, that that scene is not in the movie. There were several um, in the Rogue One when when Rogue One came out a few years ago. That uh, the trailer, there were scenes in the trailer that look incredibly dramatic and really good. And you get to the movie and they didn't actually occur. That they occurred apparently were from the first cut. Yeah, that scene where they're all alive at the end. Uh, well, that was originally well, originally you'll know the scene where she's staring down a tie fighter at the end of a ramp doesn't occur in the movie, but it was in several trailers. Uh, um, so yeah, I'm Hollywood big Star Wars fan. Yeah, do what they got to do. Star Wars and I have the same birthday, so get their shekels. Kind of a big deal. Was it right? Yeah, oh. I was seven when oh. it came out. Okay, so. my brother and I have seen every Star Wars movie in the theater together whenever it has come out. Okay, anyway. when that came, oh, did you go see it when you were seven? I saw it later that year. I didn't see it opening weekend. Okay. My parents I was going to say, was it, it was a open, so. bigger impression? Oh, no, wait a minute. Seven, had you been to the Indianapolis 500? Yeah. I had not been to the okay, Indianapolis Okay, I was going to say, which was point. bigger? Uh, I but, had I more in, uh, Star Wars toys than I did Indianapolis 500 okay. toys. <laughs> okay, so. All right. <laughs> yeah, the, we, the, the Indianapolis 500 was a big deal. 
from the time I was 11 till I got married, I didn't miss a year. Uh, yeah. And he's just ticking off significant events in his life. 8,500 getting married. And, and uh, my son's birth. We missed that year <laughs> as well. Birth. Cause he was born on the 27th. So, <laughs> but I mean, I still love him. Still love him. Not holding it against him. Hey, he's a little bitter about missing it as an infant too. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> I've created another one. You know, yeah, it's not like, not like. Wow. Reading in Church is proud to partner with Audible.com. For you, the listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player. Surely you can find something interesting in all of that. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch for your free audiobook. Go there today. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. So we're moving on to Second Corinthians. I think so, because okay. there's a couple more Old Testament texts, but I think we yeah, ought to just move on to the New Testament. Second Corinthians 4, 5 to 12. For we do not proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. Oh, back to me, though. For, for it is the God <laughs> who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Yeah, back to Paul. Um, but we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and doesn't come from What's us. What's clearer than a clay jar? Yeah, right? pretty, I mean, <laughs> it's obvious. We are afflicted in every way, in no small part because of you, because not, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death in the body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. Yeah. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Yeah. This really does dovetail into what we're saying about the, the Pauline emphasis on on suffering and death leads oh, yeah. to life. Last week when we were talking about that? Yeah, late, way last week or earlier this morning when we were recording all these podcasts. <laughs> it becomes a challenge during the summer because of our travel schedules to uh, to, to figure out when we're going to record these podcasts. So we're doing a couple today. Um, so either we're running out of steam or we've got a good head of steam. Either way, it could go this. either way. Yeah, we're not done yet. We'll figure that out. <laughs> yeah. So we were uh, talking last week about... Um, we're contrasting Paul's emphasis on um, suffering and death and glory mm-hmm. as compared to John. And so they'll both have those prominent categories, but uh, pa- Paul is much more of a suffering and human existence of Jesus leads to glory as opposed to uh, uh, both the prehistory and uh, the indwelling glory or incarnate glory in, in uh, um I just got a text. I have no idea what this is. <laughs> it's a picture of a moose. I don't know. I think I won't stop. <laughs> My son's See, in the... the reason we gave the other distractions <laughs> yeah, part of our, to- of our title is because... I really need to turn off the text. That... It shows up on my, That's on my iPad. <laughs> That's just... My son is in the Northwest, so... It's just the way we live. Anyway, we're contrasting the uh, kind of the how a glory infuses the, whole, the entirety of the prehistory ministry and then subsequent glory of Jesus. Mm-hmm. As Paul, it's, the emphasis much more falls on the... Uh, the, the suffering part of his ministry, which which inevitably leads to his glorification, mm. and uh, that is 
he is so identified with Jesus that uh, that always comes out. And when he talks about his identification with Jesus, it's over against people like his opponents in, at right. Corinth, who are saying, we're identified with Jesus so much because we're triumphant and we're living as king's kids and we're right. striding from victory to victory. And so he's taking every occasion in second, first and second Corinthians to say, you want to know what identification with yeah. Jesus means? It's identification with his cross. cross. And uh, uh, yes, that does lead to glory, but uh, it's not, the, not as you guys would uh, yeah. skip the suffering part. So... Boy, that is such a prominent theme in in this uh, in this correspondence, this ongoing correspondence. Uh, I think the Corinthians had grudge handles. I think this was a yeah. hard thing for them to get over. He's still working at this, still working away. But it's an interesting um, it's an interesting trope. He goes back to again and again about the the weakness and yeah. the affliction and uh, being afflicted but not crushed, perplexed. But not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken. These are his credentials. Struck down, but not destroyed. Yeah, yeah. This, this, this is his resume, and uh, very different than the resumes of the uh, of the folks uh, at Corinth who are passing their, around their uh, their resumes to each other and approving themselves. And I'm assuming that verse ten is. I mean, he's talking about scars there, right? Carrying in the body the death of Jesus. Yeah, he's talking about well, the scars he bears in his own persecution. He's been, isn't he's it? been stoned and driven out and of town and, and beaten. And, uh, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible mm-hmm. in our bodies. So that, that yeah. you, you can look at us and see the suffering we carry, so yeah. we must be mm-hmm. bearing witness to Christ. Otherwise, yeah. we wouldn't look like this. Yeah. Wow. I wonder if his thorn in the flesh is some you know result of his, this, this hard life he's yeah. lived, you know? Maybe yeah. not a uh, congenital sort of thing, but uh, uh something that, that comes from <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like something uh, you know, weed allergy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, here we go again. He's gonna start talking about gluten again. <laughs> yeah. That's the subtext in most yeah. of Corinthians. I think yeah. is a gluten, gluten. <laughs> gluten. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, Paul's allergies again. It's always allergy season with Paul. <laughs> Well, that's what the, the eyes thing in Philippians is referring to. You get <laughs> real eyes. puffy eyes. Yeah. You know? I know you'd yeah. give me your eyes if you yeah. could have. Because I was right. having a hard time seeing with all of that. Oh, my know. goodness. Oh, boy, it must be a hundred pounds of ragley? pollen. What's, what's blooming right now? <laughs> yeah, maybe it's even more. Oh, really? Uh, It'd be worse than that? To his ministry wow, and the okay. hardship that he's uh, endured. Just, you know. And he'll, and he, and he'll, he'll uh, weave his day job into that, too, which is no picnic, you know. The laborious task of being a tent maker. A tent maker. That was a hard, hard job. Tent making is hard. I don't know anything about yeah, tent, tent making. Tent making is dealing with animal hides. Oh, that's true. So, and, <laughs> and, in my mind, I'm thinking canvas, but yes, yeah, I know. it You're makes thinking, a whole lot more sense. I was sense. thinking Gore Tex, you know, <laughs> miracle fabrics. I, I love how even, this drapes on my body. You know? I wasn't even putting it together, but you're exactly yeah, right. Yeah. And so, and the question is one of the one of the questions about Paul's work is that. Um, at what stage in the processing of animal hides is he is, is he, he involved in it? Yeah. Because that's a real messy process. Yeah. If you're a Pharisee, and and most Pharisees rabbis would be bivocational um, scholars at night and and have a day job. Um, that would seem problematic. Yeah, you'd be touching dead animals did, if did, you're the one. Did, what point are they stop being corpses? Well, yeah. When when is it a, unclean? When does it no leather. longer render you yeah. unclean? Yeah. Now, when I was growing up, there was this these shops called Tandy. Mm-hmm. They were related to Radio Shack, so yes. they had le- Tandy leather products. You would oh, go okay. and buy leather and 
people would make belts and things like that. So, so Radio Shack, you think about how lame Radio Shack is, and they were like diversely lame. <laughs> they were. <laughs> Earlier, like in the 60s and 70s. But it's not like going and buying, you know, something that's already processed. Of yeah, and you're just going to put a little decoration pattern on it. This is, he's, he's uh, the work of a tanner. A tanner is usually outside of town, downwind. Right. Because it is a messy, stinky, right. dirty job. And he stays with a tanner. Stays with Simon the Tanner at some point. Yeah, I, I assumed he had a, a several booths that he used and rented out, so people get that nice glow. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> several booths? What? You know, like tanning booths. That, oh, you Tanner, know, Tanner, yeah, yeah, Tanner. So. Totally lost. Yeah. I thought you were going with uh, like he's at uh, craft fairs or no, something no, no. <laughs> with his belts. And <laughs> he was really in a macrame for a while. A lot of flea markets. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah, the weekends. <laughs> and then he's got his tracks over here <laughs> next to his. This is leather work. <laughs> yeah, so the the uh, the, we'll the tents they made were probably extremely heavy. Uh, even, when, even when they're done, it's a laborious task. They think about folding it. You know, a tent is hard to deal with yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but these would probably be done for the military, um, the Navy, and for um, marketplaces would have tents. Mm-hmm. But it's a hard, hard job. So he would always throw that into his day job is not easy. It might be messy and, and smelly and stinky and and hard, just a hard job. Uh, so he he weaves that into things like being, uh, you know, stoned and adrift in the sea and naked and hungry. And yeah. he's had a hard life. So it, it, a lot of that is bound up into the, just the physicality of uh, his ministry. Um, yeah. Supplying his own needs, uh, fleeing crowds with pitchforks and torches and rocks. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that uh, takes a toll on your body after a while. And so. Getting kicked out of every decent. I mean, that's, that was his ministry plan. Go into the town, yeah. preach, get kicked, yeah. form a church, R- then run, get kicked out of the away. town. Run away. Right. <laughs> run away. Yeah. I think missions have changed over the years. They don't do that quite that way most of the time now. Well, they did. They have rediscovered, I'd say, more missions than, than not are by bivocational. Oh, bivocational. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. They call it tent making right. mission. Yeah, and uh, you can go anywhere that if that's yeah. uh, you're bringing you're bringing something people bringing need skills. Yeah, yeah, and and you might even think about that as part of your mission. Right. So like we're going to get in. Here's the deal: we're going to get in this way. It's like you know people actually might need you to drill a well. Or, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, that could be understood yeah. as mission too. Work on the grid. So, yeah, we're going to sneak in. Here's how we're going to do it. Right. It's not a Trojan horse, um, but that is uh, something he's. This is lived wisdom. You know, that he is mm-hmm. experiencing the sustaining power of Jesus and really the triumphant power of Jesus. It's just this paradoxical manifestation that it comes in this form. So he's, uh, when he talks about identifying with Jesus, especially to the Corinthians, it's about the suffering mm-hmm. and the resurrection. The resurrection talk is later because these guys have skipped all that and run ahead to the, to the resurrection. So death is at work in us, but life in you. I do think that it well, hmm, that could be that could be a backhanded still critique of their language, right? But I don't think so at this point in the correspondence. I think he's saying the suffering that he endures for them. Uh, not only does he experience the resurrection life in the midst of that, but it also communicates life to this right. community. So, I, if this was First Corinthians, it might be a little bit more sarcastic edge to it, right? Because he's poking holes in their theology and, and the uh, the vocabulary of triumph that. That they're always spouting off. Oh, those Corinthians don't even get me started about that. Yeah, right. Yeah, first Corinth, second Corinth. That's a much. It's a that, as far as churches go, it's, it's way <laughs> much more, better to be in second Corinth. Than way first more Corinth. chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second Corinth is a cold congregation. <laughs> first Corinthians are they're kind of full of themselves. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, 
Yeah, I think that I was just looking at it as the that sense of our, well, you know, by our stripes, they are healed, right? I mean, it's by the, the work that's happening in us that makes it possible for them to mm-hmm. have, yeah. you know, testimony. That, yeah, I definitely that think them. that that is what we should hear yeah. here in Second Corinthians. But still, still a um, in the larger context of the letter, there's still issues he's working out. He's both uh, uh, apologetic for, you know, this is not the type of person that you might gravitate to as the leader of your community. Right. Okay. He doesn't look like yeah. A you good see choice. that wounded, you know, smelly guy limping over there with all the <laughs> animal stuff on his coming from his day job. That's our pastor. Founded our founded yeah. our church. Yeah. <laughs> pastor. Emeritus yeah. pastor. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna wipe his hand before he shakes my hand. Yeah. I hope. Yeah. So there's still a bit of uh he has to do some apologetics for himself mm-hmm. and a little bit of uh um, polemic against the, their problematic theology, less so in this letter, but still, still, still a complicated Just relationship. Just a reminder in this letter. More reminders in this letter, right? Things are better now, mm-hmm. but he still needs to drop in the. But remember, I think so. Yeah, and the, and the, the um, his his antagonists are never that far in in the past because he still has to deal yeah. with this toward the end of Second Corinthians. They're they're still on the horizon. It's and, an interesting, and the, the worst part of it is the antagonists have the better sounding message, which is if you it's the Deuteronomic theology, right? Obedience brings blessing. Yeah. Look, we've been obedient. Right. Look how God's yeah. blessed us. Yeah. This is the much harder that Ergo, what's up with this guy? Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Whereas Paul is saying that no, 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 it's suffering that shows faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, well, I don't want that line. No. I want to get in the line that gets mm-hmm. you blessing if yeah. I could. Right. What do yeah. you guys let's hear what your guys pitch? Right, exactly. Sure. So it's a hard message. Human nature was different back then. Oh, sure it was. <laughs> yeah. People have changed. Yes, that's... Yeah. If there's one thing we notice, people have changed. Yeah. But that's only, you know, if you ever read Second Corinthians, and what are the odds of anyone reading Second Corinthians? No, I, there's a Second Corinthians? Yeah, there's right a second. Yeah. How about Mark? Want to read Mark? Yeah, love Mark, Mark 2, Let's read me some Mark. 23, 3, 6. Hmm. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. <laughs> Who doesn't? And mm-hmm. as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. You probably should have asked. Nope. Um, the Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again, he entered the synagogue and a man was there who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had a withered hand, come forward. And he said to him, is it lawful to do good or do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out immediate, and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him and how to destroy him. Yeah. So remember that stuff last week about not all Pharisees being bad? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's not happening Not in here. Mark. Not in Mark. <laughs> These guys are not good, not good guys. Yeah. So they're the bad guys in this one. Uh, and they're the antagonists in both of these. And these is, this is at the end of, I think, five episodes of uh, Rising Conflict. Okay. And, and, and kind of climaxes here. This would be the end of Act One. Okay. If we were breaking this down. So 
a lot of establishing of who Jesus is, his ministry, and then you get into this uh, these episodes in two and the beginning of three where, ooh, rising conflict, and by the end of it, they're conspiring to kill Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Here at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, t- chapter three, so uh, Mark's not as long, but um, yeah, this would be... the first fifth of the books. So, right. This would know. be the classic um, end of end of act one. Okay. And what's puts in motion, you know, everything that's going to be worked out in act two. And, and, I, and, and Mark doesn't have an act three. Right. <laughs> kind of like, you got to write the end, you got to write act three yourself. Oh, and that's Mark, right. The yeah. resolution, you know, the resurrection. You wouldn't start, okay, now we're going to debate yeah. about this. You wouldn't start act two or... That's what I couldn't figure out. At act, I mean, what do you do with Romans eight, right? What do you do when he turns toward Jerusalem? Isn't that a beginning of a, you know, when he comes yeah. out from after that confession, doesn't that begin something? In um, Mark? Yeah. It, it, well, obviously, I don't think Mark's quite fitting into the three-act structure, uh, no, but okay. but what you have is um, the precipitating event uh, here. You didn't know they're out to destroy yeah. him, and this puts in motion the things that are going to drive the plot gotcha. okay. to the end. Um, yeah, I, I actually did go, you know, this reminds me, of, like, I actually turned to Wikipedia and said, three-acts, I got to see. I always use that, but I'm never quite sure. How do they break those down? And then it raised the question, like, yeah. what does Mark have in Act 3, you know? Okay, well, what does I he could, do with Act 3? Yeah. I, w- I would probably put Act— You have a mo- long, much more steep tradition in drama that you have a feeling for what well, maybe. the second act is, I think. I just wonder—it I just wonder. It feels like the moment that Jesus sets his face toward Jerusalem, mm-hmm. that that begins something mm-hmm. that, that maybe is included in that crucifixion. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's— Oh, it is. Maybe it that's is. Maybe that's the— I don't know. I, that seems like a turning, narratively turning point. It for is. Me. It is. Uh, it and is in both, figuratively, and um, and that 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 language is in Luke, but it's Luke is drawing from Acts yeah, from from Mark. Mark's turning toward toward yeah. Jerusalem. So yeah. A- anyway, the I don't know, the, uh, the death debate. of Jesus, cons- conspiring toward the death of Jesus, is already happening here in the first yeah. fifth of the book. Yeah, yeah, in chapter three. Yeah, and the question is: Is it? Uh, it's very interesting um, how he phrases it. What did he say? He said, "Is it lawful?" Yeah, is it lawful to do good or to oh, do there harm it is. on the Sabbath, uh, save life or to kill? Oh, let's see. I haven't scrolled down all the way. There we go. Verse four. Yeah, is it lawful to do good or to do harm or on the Sabbath to save or to kill? It's like, well, that's not just hyperbole. When you get to the end, it's like they are actually conspiring, conspiring to kill him. To kill him. Yeah. yeah. So it's like the. So is, they're conspiring to do to kill on the Sabbath. Yeah. 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 And because they because he wasn't keeping the Sabbath before. Right. It's like, is he going to heal this guy later? Now or later? Because we want to get him. You know, this is where probably a good place you say, why do people think Pharisees are hypocrites? <laughs> it's like, well, you want to read these episodes. These kinds of passion, yeah. passages uh-huh. are the reason. Yeah. And and uh, Jesus is a little bit provocative, probably because he knows their mindset. Right. You know? And this very different orientation to what the Sabbath is about or what religion is about. Mm-hmm. Is it about this hard and fast, rigid uh, uh, system yeah. to which you've got to, everything needs to conform, or are you somehow aware to the the uh, concrete necessities of humans around you? Mm-hmm. You know, which may uh, may trump that principle that uh, your religious principle that's worked so well up to this point and has also blinded you to all kinds of human suffering around you potentially. You know, and, but I will say it, it's a it's an odd argument Jesus makes mm-hmm. to justify people eating grain. Yeah. Because when when David has been given the bread of the presence and given to his companions, yeah. he wasn't just 
hanging out and walking around. Mm-hmm. You know, he was fleeing from Saul and yeah. they were hungry right. and there was, I mean, I would argue there were some extreme circumstances for which the priest said, you know what? No, I'm willing to do yeah. this uh-huh. in this context, yeah. even though normally we wouldn't do this kind of thing. You guys are in special need. They were walking. They yeah. were walking in the in the fields. Well, probably this is uh, and and the people who could do this are the poor. All right, not everyone yeah. should do this. Okay, but the the poor of the land, you don't glean your fields right. because of those. Right. God says that that yeah, you you've helpfully pointed out. It's like if I worked hard and I made this grain, it's all mine. It's like no, it's not. Right? <laughs> no, that that side that those corners, those edges, you need to leave those for the poor. And like that, that wouldn't fly in the, you know, in our country. It's like, well, I work right. for it, you know. Right. So, well, God has a different perspective on, on things. Well, I have, I, I don't think I have family listening to this podcast <laughs> for which this would be an issue, but uh, I have. Hushed tones into the microphone. I have. If you, if you talk quietly. They can't they hear can't you. They can't hear you. Okay, good. Um, that would be secret, Mark. I have, <laughs> I have certain family members for whom uh, they have uh, fruit trees. <laughs> on the edge of their property oh. uh, that certain individuals would come along and take the bits of the fruit that hang over the wall closest to the sidewalk mm-hmm. that uh, angered uh, my family members that they mm-hmm. would, they would do such as that. Yeah. Now they're not picking the tree dry. They mm-hmm. just simply were picking occasionally a few as or something dropped or something what dropped on that side. That? They would take it and, uh, there was a great deal of anger about those people, them, them. who would uh, who would steal. And it may they not, might not be doing that of need either. So, but yeah. if it was if it was need, that that it might was change. Probably that. a demographic for whom it was need. Okay, in oh, my context. Okay. okay, yeah, I would think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, had some refugees uh, where I grew up. There's a lot of um, refugees from the the Vietnamese tribes oh, who yeah. Were on the American side and had to flee mm-hmm. and uh, lived very close to us. And they would often come and they would ask to pick oh, our okay. fruit in our trees. So we had some prudent trees we didn't we did not pick, and uh, so I'm more than happy to. And then we realized we were we were face to face with their the harsh realities of their life. So yeah. So I think I come off pretty good in this story. <laughs> yeah, you did. A, you did a whole lot better than my family. Nicely done. No, but you think about things like you barely. I bet you. We didn't need that fruit. We don't right. can that fruit. Right. You know, we, we rake it up and throw it away. Yeah. Uh, compared to their daily life, it's like, I right. see why God does this sort of thing. I mean, it's like, um, there's an abundance. God has provided an abundance. Yeah, build uh, a bigger you, table. Yeah. Not a higher fence. Well, and you're, you're, you know, those laws go back to, it's like, where's God in this equation? Right. Oh, everywhere. Right. Oh, everywhere. He brought you into the land. He brought the rains. You brought the harvest. Right. And so, you know, how you, he, these are things are to make your life better so that, not only do you recognize God in your life, but also these people's life better. Right. You know, this is not a either or. Well, and and watch this. Watch, watch me tie this back. Yes. This is, this is, you're gonna love this. It's gonna be good. That was what Sabbath was. Sabbath yes. was the opportunity exactly. for God to manifest provision and mm-hmm. presence. I mean, there's a reason that day seven doesn't begin or end in Genesis one. It mm-hmm. is it is this ongoing. That creation is this ongoing opportunity for God's presence, and the purpose of Sabbath day is to remember that Sabbath day that God is actually present within living providing mm-hmm. for you it's, it's a powerful opportunity for god to manifest presence and yes. and so yeah i i think that 
well, now no, I, I tied it there well, but I can't tie it back to this real well. You were saying— so, I'll, Yeah, I'll tie it back. Please. But Sabbath, it, it's uh, both woven into creation, but it also comes back in—well, uh, it's it, there's a couple of explanations. Right. One is creation, one in, and one is giving rest. In Deuteronomy, rest it's giving the, rest. To right. the, the folks in the cattle and stuff, and the land. You right. Know? Uh, this probably presupposes the character, the pattern of Jesus' ministry as an itinerant who's okay, so always dependent. Okay. He is poor. Yes, okay. he is poor. He doesn't always have a place to lay his head at night, and he's completely dependent on others. So he, he, and the people who leave everything to follow him, okay, yeah. they're in that same status. So then the 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 image of David wouldn't be a bad one. No, that this is an act of no. desperation. This is an act of hunger. Yeah, I the, say desperation. This is likely this is... those corners of the field are left for folks like Jesus and his followers. Okay. Yeah, Jesus and his followers are. Uh, did we talk a few weeks ago about you know Matthew twenty five? We always think like we're going to go visit the people in the right. prison and the right. and the poor and the destitute. It's like no, actually, you are the people in, in prison, the prison and the and poor. De- and the destitute. You know? It's like oh, is that what a, being a follower of Jesus means? Yeah, kind of very dependent on uh, uh, on the grace provided by others, mm. and so they would be in that category for whom this would be appropriate. Um, it doesn't say they're—it's interesting language because it talks about the, as they made their way, which is a strong image of mm-hmm. uh, th- that turning point toward Jerusalem. That's what it means to be a disciple. This is almost the language, the hard work of making, constructing a road. So yeah. it's kind of out of place, but it does talk—I think it evokes a little bit the hardship of what it means to be this kind of uh, disciple, itinerant disciple of Jesus. Yeah. And uh, so the Sabbath is not about— um, ah, look what they're doing. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, you took that's a little bit further than a Sabbath day journey. Or you can get this much water out of your well, but you can't get that. Yeah. But there were exceptions to that. And this is a mm-hmm. strange one, unless it's some sort of messianic uh, claim. I'm not really quite sure how obvious that is to the to the audience that he's like David in some sense. But he's because he's not mm. saying it's not based. It's not grounded in I'm special. But it's saying no. These things are for human flourishing. Yeah. And providing for people when things aren't quite so flourishing. So it is a it is a larger topic of what is the meaning of the Sabbath and uh in both of these. Yeah. And uh I think they would be the people who for whom this is um um they they might actually not be complaining that they are picking it, but that they're threshing it with their hands. Mm. So that is really nitpicky, yeah. you know. Yeah. That's that's work. You can eat that. But you can't get the chaff off. <laughs> like, gee, these guys are hardcore, mm. and may be missing the point entirely. So, well, that's certainly, a, that's an obscure. That's a rather obscure story, and so there then, there are some problems if you go back and read that. That's not exactly how it went down with David either. So, no, not quite. And yeah. the twenty-seven would be sort of Jesus making the point that you're missing the the legalism is making you miss this. Yes, you know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're so concerned with the observance of it, you're missing the purpose of it. Yeah. And that is a perennial uh, issue or mindset of religion, I Mm -hmm. think, you can slip into. It's so easy for us to slip into that. Yeah. And uh, not actually be aware of the particularities of people's experience. Uh, We have a system in our head, and we can things have to conform to that. And uh, we miss a lot when we— We walk around with that those uh, the paradigm in our head. Yeah, True, we miss a lot question. in terms of our our neighbors and their need, mm-hmm. and that's not obviously far behind in the other um, context. It's, it's meeting in a synagogue, so it's you know it's the Sabbath, mm-hmm. and 
on the one hand, you say this is not an urgent need. He could have done this at sunset. But if you're going to make a point about what the Sabbath is for, right. there are times when you could save a life. You could mm-hmm. break the Sabbath. There are stories from the Box Holocaust. <laughs> yeah, the Holocaust. Um, just in dire circumstances. Jews have been so observant all the way through, but they're... Um, I was reading one today, a story about... Um, oh, they're on the trains to the camps. They don't know where the camp, you know, what's going to happen at the camps, but I've been kosher my whole life, but my kids are starving, and right. the only food available on the way is not kosher. Mm-hmm. You know, is that, is that a hard choice? You know, are you going to let your children starve so that you can maintain your kosher lifestyle? Mm-hmm. Obviously, there are some things that supersede. And I think both of those are maybe not as extreme as circumstances, but if you want to get at what the heart of the Sabbath mm-hmm. is about. It's another occasion where we're only in chapter 3, and the fact that Jesus can heal is already in the background. Right. It becomes the stage upon which this this teaching uh, about the Sabbath is made. So he could have healed this guy, mm-hmm. but he's going to make a he's going to make a point based upon this miracle about something else that that's mm-hmm. divine, okay? He's doing it in the synagogue too. Is there anything? I mean, he's not outside. He seems to he's that's this seems to be happening inside mm-hmm. the synagogue. Yeah. I wonder if there's anything that's bugging him about that. I don't. I don't know. I, I think it's the, it's the timing. It's just the timing. Yeah, of it. it's it's not as much the. Uh, I I don't think it's like an issue. It's actually a, 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 the work issue is more than the they're picking right. something that should. It's the work issue in the first one, and so this would be understood as works, which is so Healing ridiculous because who you know you, synagogue This shows up uh, forms of this show in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, it's like come on other days to be healed. It's like. There's not a lot of healing going on around here. I don't know if you've noticed, you know, people hobble around. Are they not open Monday through Friday to be healed? Yeah. You got it Sunday through Friday? You yeah, got to do this on Saturday? Yeah, as though healing is going on on any day, you know. This is this is one of those things like, uh, no, this is new wine stuff. It's going to yeah. burst the, the wineskins, you know. God is doing something new. And and it's not it's not absolutely in tension with the old. Yeah. It highlights, it may bring to the surface misunderstandings that mm-hmm. you have about what God has been doing. This new thing uh, God is doing is is going to bring to the surface problematic mindsets. Because he's this. doing a little grandstanding. Yeah, he is. Oh, he's absolutely he's, doing this on and, purpose. And, and does this at Nazareth, and he does this in other places. He he perceives something about his audience, and he's he's not like, oh, I better be careful. It's like, no, he's going to like... Let's just run right at it. A little bit antagonistic. Yeah. yeah. This is something that... I've never thought of before, and I don't know. That is not a deal breaker on this podcast. That's absolutely true. <laughs> Be surprising the percentage I, uh, <laughs> of this podcast that consists of those statements. That's true. Most of the time it's unspoken. Um, would a person with this kind of physical deformity be welcome in a synagogue? I mean, I know the temple mm-hmm. would be no, but wouldn't there be something that you would I, I find it now that I think about it, I find it hard to believe hmm. that a community with a Pharisaic group with a synagogue in place mm-hmm. would be welcoming of those with, you know, with their emphasis on holiness. Mm-hmm. That would that not even spread to synagogue perceptions? It it could. Uh, Pharisees and the standards, they're a smaller percentage of who they would show up at a synagogue. They are. So people looked up to them and Pharisees looked down down upon those people. Right. And they might not have a potluck together with everyone. This okay. guy might not come to the potluck. Yeah, okay. You know? Um, so it could be that, that the synagogue is sort of a collection of Amha audits, right? The people of the land. Yeah. And the Pharisees might 
wander in and take the nice seats. Well, yeah. And they get to sit back mm-hmm. there, and I don't have to look at them And anyway. a table might be even more of a focus than uh, – mm. focus. They of, wouldn't come to the of, table. They would yeah. come to the synagogue, mm-hmm. perhaps. But this you wouldn't invite a, the withered guy to the table. The withered guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to call him. Is there a youth pastor? That's the withered guy. <laughs> I don't know what else to call him. He doesn't have a name. <laughs> no, that's the heading in my Bible. <laughs> the withered guy. Jesus and the withered guy. <laughs> Did he say weathered? No, withered. No. He said withered. <laughs> oh, he, was... Does he have a list? Is he a wizard? That was the... No, he's a withered guy. <laughs> that was the alternate title for Stephen King's Thinner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I don't know what we're going to do for the first podcast title, but the withered guy could show up. <laughs> For the second. I'm just saying, the withered guy wouldn't have been brought to dinner. Yeah. Okay. Table is more of a context of purity. Uh, okay, than, than synagogue would. Say, yeah, that's a good point. Than, say, just a common space. That's a good point. Um, but I so, can't imagine them being comfortable with him in their common space. It, yeah. They, it might Except be, that they're the ones visiting the common space, as opposed yeah. to... Common is not a good thing for, yeah, for right. a Pharisee. That's a dangerous territory. It, it might be more of an issue. Uh, it's certainly more formalized, closer to and contemporary to Jesus in Qumran, where they say these right. people can't participate. Right, right, okay? right, right. Uh, whether that was who I actually still think are Herodians, but you don't necessarily. Oh, is that right? Okay. <laughs> Remember, yeah. I think Herodians and Essenes are the same. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And, and, you were and these people are going to conspire with the Herodians. Okay, yeah, so yeah, that's interesting. I, did I ever get you that article? He really I does say. He really does say things he hasn't thought about. No. <laughs> <laughs> and no. I don't think about them after he says, no, that that's interesting. That would complicate my life if that was the case. So, so cool. you can either send it I'm or not send it. I'm going to send that article when I find it. Remember that uh, the time that uh, our former theology colleague was talking about, he was having a conversation with someone on on the faculty at, at St. Andrews uh-huh. and asked him what he thought about Balkum. And he said, I can't, I can't agree I can't with think him. About, yeah. Why? He said, because if he's right, everything I've devoted my life to and research has been wrong. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so I, I can't, I can't, I cannot <laughs> agree or read anything he says, because if he's right, I've been wrong. It's nice it's, that sometimes people verbalize he that. He was at least self-aware <laughs> enough to say that. Yeah. 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 I can't um, even be seen talking to you. The, I also wonder which hand was withered. Oh, um, I don't know. Because either way... I mean, there were certain conventions of eating and cleanliness that were mm-hmm. associated with each mm-hmm. hand, and yeah. whichever one it is, he's doing the other with a hand that you wouldn't want. That's true. And so that's interesting. He's going to be an unclean. Yeah, dude. there might be implications there. You know, yeah. sanitary wise, you, yeah, you would eat with one hand and take yeah. care of all other matters with the other. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> and so, yeah. whichever one is withered, yeah. he's yeah. doing both Usually with a hand. Usually, there's a division of labor, on <laughs> exactly. that. Yeah. and it comes, becomes important at the table. Exactly. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. a, a problem yeah. with that. And yeah, so ten, well, meals are interesting as they show up in the, in the synoptics, because you have meals of really a focus of purity and really rigid concern. And then there's people on the periphery who are like, Seem to be present at the meal somehow. Maybe right. they're not participating somehow. But they're it's like, like watching. How did they eat? do meals? Could people just come in because it's going to be a meal, and then maybe some uh, theological discussion? Some are they are they invited to that part? It's we don't know everything. We you know we just don't have the whole story about how people mm. did this. So um, and I and, and and it might just be ignorance on my part whether a uh, a synagogue was as uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, he would he would do some things that overturn everything. It's like he. Well, now I got to rethink everything. You know, yeah, that's that's often how I come away from reading him. But he's he is present, and uh, he he becomes it becomes a bit of a uh, he's provoking this um, 
these Pharisees. Yeah, and they're not answering either. That's it's like here. Well, here we have a chance to tell me. Tell tell yeah. me now. Yeah. Just tell me. I'll, I'll get your yeah. ruling on this uh-huh. then. Yeah. Should I do good or bad? And <laughs> and you see that he is correct because it's like, and then they go out and they plot to murder him, right? To kill him, right? It's like, yeah. So there is a problematic orientation that uh, you could have that uh, within you to uh, to uh, your on the one hand you're looked up to on the on the other hand the uh, this prophet comes to town and and brings this and to the surface singles you know you out. Yeah, While, singles out this issue. because you're taking care of this guy's need you be it's God's compassion and restoration and and uh, um, bringing this guy back to a life uh, a, fu- a, full a fullness inclusion. yeah. Mm-hmm. At, um, at the table, because we, that, we could eat with him now. Yeah, yeah, we wouldn't want to eat yeah, with him before this. That's a problem. But we could eat with him now. Yeah, this is a problem. It's like you really don't understand. You're the not inviting the withered guy, are you? I don't have. He's, he's not the withered guy, withered anymore. guy. I might have something that night. Is the withered guy coming? <laughs> <laughs> don't bring, don't eat his potatoes, <laughs> Mister Withers. <laughs> you don't want to eat his pie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Just the withered guy, <laughs> man. Anyway, Ew, yeah. But uh, it does. Uh, he does cut through the stuff, as they say. Yeah, <laughs> gets to the point. Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? And there were all these, all this Sabbath legislation yeah, about what were, you could do to right. even show compassion for an animal. Right. How well, much more for a human? I had when I was a, a pastor in Texas. I had a very faithful attender, um, and he was he loved coming to church. It was interesting because he was from a different tradition completely. Um, in fact, some would even consider it a non-Christian tradition that he was a part of, but he loved Same thing. our church. He loved Different our preaching. Non-Christian. And, uh, right, exactly, in many evangelical circles. <laughs> but uh, he was, I mean, he never missed. And so he was gone one Sunday. Uh-huh. And uh, and so uh, the next Sunday he came back and I said, you know, I missed you, missed you last week. And he said, yeah, had an ox in a ditch, um, which was the shorthand for him. Because oh. you could get, if, if you were on the Sabbath, if your uh-huh. ox got stuck in a ditch, yeah. you could get your ox out of the right, ditch. yeah. So that was his way of saying, I had an excused absence. It wasn't, excused I, absence. I didn't okay. just miss, right. I wasn't just going, there was a legitimate thing that took me away. That was his shorthand for all of that. Okay. So I missed you Sunday, had an ox in a ditch. Well, That's yeah. great. And then <laughs> that was just the way wow. he talked about it. So, I thought it was, is he being scripture or is he being Texan? He's being nah, both. He's, well, he was being both. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't, that was a metaphorical ox. Yeah. It could have been a literal ox for many of the could people in my... Uh, in fact, that was the individual. When you hear me tell the story of the time my my brand new car got stuck in the mud and I had to get pulled out of it, my brother told me to drive, and as a result of my brother telling me to drive, I got stuck in the. I've, oh, I've not told the story. Sounds vaguely familiar. Well, anyway, he's the one who did he pull you out with an ox? He pulled me out with a tractor <laughs> okay. actually. When I discovered that when you're being pulled, when a tractor is pulling the trailer attached to your car. Uh, you can't steer as effectively when you're trying to miss the trees oh. uh, as that as you're going backwards through the mud, in case you were curious. Yeah. So if you've only had a car for four days, there is a chance you could scrape up the fender pretty oh. bad. Um, Got that out of the but, way. But uh, yeah, it was a, that was a great story. But that was who that was. Okay. And, uh, and it was actually, he just was baptized about uh, four or five well, years ago. Well, what was ago. the different tradition he's from? Uh, he was from the Reformed Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints, which oh. is the bunch who rejected Brigham Young yeah. uh, and stayed in uh, Missouri. Jack and Mormons. so they have, what? No, no, Jack Mormons would be the, would, those are ones who went to Utah, but yeah. are all on the periphery. So, right. Yeah. These, these, this was the group that rejected Brigham Young as success, succession. And so they were called Reformed Church of Jesus Christ for Latter-day Saints for years. And then about 10 years ago, they became the Community of Christ Church. Huh. They changed their branding, and uh, and and yeah. he was a he was an elder in this tradition, oh, uh, and had went way up in it, but um, was very. 
he he was very curious. He was very knowledgeable of the Bible, and but was interesting in the ter- the inter- I had never heard my inter- you know the way that I told mm-hmm. the story was different than yeah. other Baptist preachers, I guess. And uh, he was very faithful. When I left, he moved to a, a nearby Baptist church. Uh, it was brother buddy. That uh, was tremendous. And then just a few years ago, was uh, actually baptized into the really? Baptist faith. Wow. Uh, actually, and turned away from that mm. uh, that con- that faith he was in. It was wow. a tremendous fellow. Wow, interesting uh, story. And uh, wonderfully, one who understood the truth of uh, Scripture, whether we called it or not, he was a one had a wonderful heart. Yeah, he and, he could uh, use the the scriptural metaphor. Exactly, he was able to pull on the old the "I had an idiom. ox in the ditch." He had yeah. that idiom ready. Yeah, so that's he's a good good guy. Mm-hmm. So he is the one who brought me the uh, um, laughing Jesus uh, picture that I have up in my. Ah, uh-huh. uh, I had he bought me the laughing Jesus picture, and then because uh, I always commented how much I love the picture of Jesus laughing, and he got it for me. And, oh, okay. Uh, uh, that one got destroyed in a move, and my family replaced it with the what I have currently. But uh, but the first one was bought by by him for me. Yeah, uh, so, so a, is uh, is a good fellow. Brother well, that's in interesting. Yeah. Well, so, I grew up around a lot of Mormons. It's interesting to think about. I mean that that is a a religious mindset. I mean a rigid religious yes, mindset. Yes, it is. And yes, it uh, is. to to come and sit in a, another church that that says something about. Um, Hearing, looking for God, maybe that in a way that doesn't quite fit that yeah. that that paradigm. But this is a, a this is a, a a universal and perennial issue. It that, is that uh, you, you know this is like uh, it's is, a little bit like the um, Proverbs versus uh, Ecclesiastes or right. Job. You know, right. it's like yeah, yeah, that's the rule is yeah, that's a good rule. There's our, our exceptions, there are exceptions to the rule, to that rule. That's and right. on this sea life, you right. know, because you're gonna you're either going to ignore those things, you yeah. know, uh, or you're actually going to live uh, or the, old, uh, the world that we live in. <laughs> joke we make that, you know, well, God may have accepted you, but our standards are a little bit higher Yeah, uh, yeah. kind of view here. Oh. Um, and that, you know what, leaving the 99 to get the one, that's really dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. God's going to do that because yeah. um, he cares that much for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. going to happen. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. so this is really getting to the heart of... Uh, the Sabbath and, mm-hmm. and God's intention. Uh, and what God also, cares about. It's also the backdrop against which we understand Jesus' ministry, mm-hmm. uh, that this is what he's here to do. And uh, also, this, and God continues to do things, and they might, they might stretch you. Mm-hmm. And yet, uh, it might be that you've shrunk right. rather than he, God is, is not being consistent with right. his intentions for, for uh, his creation. Yeah. Yeah. You may be withered. Who's withered? Who's withered here? Who's shrunk? <laughs> yeah, which one of you is withered? Yeah. Yeah, really. Well, great. Well, thanks for listening this week. Hope that your uh, season after Pentecost is off to a great start. Hope your summer officially is off to a great start yeah. since we're kicking after Memorial Day at this mm-hmm. point. So uh, continue to, to uh, have a, a great season. Listen to us on um, iTunes or android you can listen to us on google play and i don't think our stitcher link works but uh if you listen to us oh, on really? itunes I, yeah i don't oh. think that one's right okay. if you listen to us on itunes make sure and leave a review haven't asked for that in a little yeah. while um follow us on twitter and like us on facebook and have a great week are we on hulu we're not we're on not hulu. on hulu. okay no <laughs> blessings yet another platform blessings <laughs>